the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, folks. <laughs> Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, Tom. And last but not least, uh, the East Village Magazine consulting editor. Always a pleasure when she joins us, Jan Worth Nelson. Good morning, Jan. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, morning, Jan. Good morning, Henry and Paul. This might be a little inside baseball, but I I called Jan on the wrong number, so we may have to change that out during the next break or something. But uh, it's... uh, can you hear me okay? I can hear you just yeah. fine. Yeah, everybody's sounds fine. Com- everybody's okay. coming through loud and clear. I just hope it holds up that way for the whole two-hour uh, roundtable uh, discussion of uh, with commentary and analysis about recent headlines from the worlds of politics and current events. We always start with a few quotes. The first one is a finish the quote. And... Uh, It goes like this. The only function of economic forecasting is to what? How would you finish this Hmm. quote? Make jobs for economists. (laughs) 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 Actually, actually, how to make more money. It's um, this is actually very funny, uh, considering that it that it comes from an economist. The only function of economic forecasting is to make astrology look respectable. <laughs> oh, <okay>. oh <laughs> that is true. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and and I don't think you'll guess who said this. Uh, John Kenneth Galbraith. Oh, wow. Oh, that's interesting. American <laughs> economist from 1908 <laughs> to 2006. Um, yeah, oh. I, I recall reading his stuff in, in college. <laughs> 
Now, this was an interesting thing buried in, in some of the big uh, headlines, and, and we'll be talking about a lot of them. But um, one of the quotes that got my attention, there are way, way too many people in today's world who are taking their um, very passionately held views and manifesting them through violence. Mm. Mm. Uh, I'm going to think one of one of the witnesses yesterday in the hearings, but I'm not sure which one it might have been. No, and and you know oh. that's that's the thing. This this story um, is is getting some attention, but I'm not sure if it's getting as much attention as it deserves. the The quote came from FBI Director Christopher Ray. Uh, right, right, to, right. Oh. Yeah. To, to CNN, and it was Quiet lately. So that statement was kind of a surprise. It was just hours after the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister oh. Shinzo Abe on Friday. Top U.S. and British security officials decried threats facing public figures around the globe in an exclusive interview with CNN, saying that there is a right way to protest political grievances. How can we temper anger and violence while encouraging protest and airing grievances? That's a good question. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's you tell us. Of, the, uh, of the of the era, isn't it? It, it kind <laughs> of it kind of is, and you know it's it's interesting because this event took place in Japan, and a lot of people are comparing it to the JFK assassination, in that there really hadn't been anything like it in the months and years uh, preceding it. And it reminds me of uh, something Alan Sherman wrote in uh, in his book, Rape of the Ape, that he, he likened the JFK assassination to America losing its virginity. Mm. Oh, yeah. There is something mm. to that, I think. And and I I wonder if if Japan isn't having a, a, a JFK moment kind of. You think so? Although what was amazing is is how low the the incidence of gun violence in Japan was. I think. Uh, yeah. Did I hear they only had one murder in the last year or so in that country? I. Yeah, one. Yeah. Or or one incident of gun violence, perhaps, uh, in the last year or so. Astonishing. It is. Astonishing. Yeah. And when I was there um, in in 2000, uh, at least 1998, the incident rate was one death and 500,000 per year. Wow. That's 38, I think it was 38 people per year. Mm. 38 deaths per year. Which, which you mean really... uh, homicides? Yes. Wow. Violence. Which really underscores the the question: How do we how do we tamp down that uh, the just the the rage that people feel and and exercise when they're protesting and and airing grievances? How do we how do we encourage one and discourage the other? Right, but that would be difficult. Now, when we uh, elect people to Congress, we say, you will go out and fight for this, and you will fight for that, and you give your life for this and that. And we encourage that kind of temperament. 
And some people take that seriously. Yeah. See, candidates don't look real if they don't say you've got to fight for this. And whether you are fighting for religious or uh, uh, cultural rights or anything else, uh, that's the word that you use, the buzzword. Uh-huh. You're right, Henry. Yeah, yeah. In fact, that you know the idea. In fact, that there's a slogan that's kicking around now: "The so and so won't back down. Vote for so and so because he won't yeah. back down." And that's exactly Rink- true for so many candidates. Yeah, that's macho <clears throat> rinky dad, I think. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. And and the politicians lead this. Uh, by the way, they lead that agenda. Uh, so uh, what they encourage is the way that we uh, learn to live our lives, and we have I, those expectations. I, I really agree with you on, on the importance of words like that, Henry. It, it, it's coming out in the 1-6 hearings, too. I think people are talking about that. But also, I would suggest that there's, and it's related to what you just said, which is that there's this kind of sense of helplessness that people don't think that anything they do will make any difference. So, uh, like, the, maybe we used to feel a little more of a sense of agency in our political actions, um, and and I think people see that the government, it takes so long for the government to do anything. True. And the process of doing anything is wearing mm-hmm. and wearisome and um, uh, divided. I, I feel like the last couple of years have just really exacerbated people's sense of powerlessness, which and is it not... Seems to f- Go ahead, Juliana. I'm done. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, it seems to feed upon itself. You know, as you have one incident... It seems to cause other people to do the very same thing, almost to imitate what had happened yeah. the, the previous day or the previous week. Well, look at some yeah. of the quotes from the from the founding fathers, because a lot of a lot of groups now, especially um, the the white supremacy groups, are looking back at, at things from the American Revolution and using them as as. Uh, slogans and battle cries and and they're they're give me liberty or give me death they're um, you know i i'm uh, i wish that i had more than one life to give for my country i can't remember the exact quote but yeah um yeah Nathan Hale. Nathan Hale, yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting that some of those quotes from um the white supremacists that were and the oath keepers and so on that were shared yesterday they used exactly those terms 1776, and if you're a patriot, you should be willing to, you know. Yeah, but maybe well, maybe I we need some patriots I, to, to start coining phrases like, remember, you only have one life to give for your country. That's true, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of those groups use the Revolutionary War flag of live free or die. You see that periodically flying from trucks or buildings here and there for the folks who were going that direction. Well, and don't tread on me is bad. That, that's right, that's right. But when you go back to Plato, uh, the Roman Empire, and Aristotle, and uh, Socrates, when they, their goal was a search for a good life. But they didn't, they didn't use all of that kind of rhetoric. And uh-huh. these are the people who established civilization. The modes of civilization, how we should behave, but they right. accomplished still goals of yeah. uh, conquer and all of that stuff. But they didn't go out and invigorate the people to fight, 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 fight. Right. They let the soldiers do it. I know, I know. It's. Uh, I, I thought that that young man from Ohio, that uh, the rioter guy that testified yesterday, 
was sort of pathetic, and I was along those lines. Here's this ordinary person from northeastern Ohio, not too far from where I grew up, who was living his life, you know, just had a regular job, a wife. He was a coach, I think. And something got him, yeah. you know, and and some he got pulled into something, some craving, some thread of anger, and before he knew it, he was breaking into the Capitol with thousands of other people, and then ends up losing his job and losing his house. I mean, in the you know, I mean. Yeah, the the methodology has turned on a lot of these folks. It's like if that the expression of anger isn't helping anything, you know. I think that, that's what that other guy well, said. The 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 other witness, the former Oath Keepers guy, he said something like, "This is this wouldn't have been good for anybody. Nobody would have won." Which is how I feel about some of those angry um, expressions. Nobody wins. So you wonder what keeps it going. You know, you want to you want to talk about pathetic, Jan. I I feel so bad, and I have to I have to do some catching up. I I worked really hard to get everything around so that I could watch the the presentation from the the committee yesterday. Yeah. And I was really looking forward to hearing those participants. Yeah. And I dozed was- off. <laughs> I dozed off and I missed them both. Those were the those were the things I was I was waiting to hear, and I haven't had a chance to hear what they said. And and I will I'll go back and find. I'm sure it's on YouTube or someplace, and and I'll try and get it watched. This oh, afternoon it's pathetic! Or it was pathetic. That, that yeah, yeah. From Ohio, I thought. You know, uh, one of the people said that I thought was interesting. <clears throat> I was more particularly interested in Liz Cheney. She yeah. was now, she is the person on the outside of Cheney? the Democrats. Yeah. Oh, she's, yeah. she's, coming she's across the very person strongly. that establishes, helped establish credibility for the American political system. You yes. can criticize her all you want to, but if she thought that there was something that was destructive toward the nation, she yeah. spoke up. Yes. And, uh, she was more resolved, uh, more um, uh, deliberate, more stable, yeah. at ease with herself and with everybody else on the issue that she supports. Yeah. And, uh, and let me add, uh, she was she appeared to be less political. Ah, interesting. Certainly in this yeah. context, that's true, Henry. By yeah, the way, yeah. Henry, did anybody see the column in the paper, that I think it was this past week or so, where somebody suggested there ought to be a, a Pence-Cheney ticket for the Republicans next time around? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how seriously to take that. But, uh, somebody immediately said, uh, no, it would be Cheney-Pence. Yeah, maybe that <laughs> might, might be even a better yeah. move. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're going to take the Vice President Pence out of the position and trade them, huh? Well, that wouldn't be a bad ticket. He's got a BVP. He knows how to handle the job. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, did you hear uh, Cipollone say that he thought Pence should get the Medal of Freedom? Yes, I did. Yeah. That's interesting. I've got to take a break here, but we'll uh, we'll pick it up there when we uh, when we return. And you're listening to Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. We'll take a short break, and we will be back. 
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Say, objection. Hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just, um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody, as we continue with today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, uh, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. And um, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about... uh, um, Well, we were talking... I I, I guess we had had sort of moved on to talking about... uh, the impact of these um, presentations on people like uh, Liz Cheney from Wyoming, and uh, I suppose we'd have to have uh, include Adam Kinzinger and mm-hmm. and some some others. Um, I I wanted to say that uh, I imagine that um, our beloved Henry Hatter would be the kind of patriot that Liz Cheney is. I think that's true. Yeah, I would, I would I would hope so. that. Yeah, I think that's the kind of GOP guy we got here with us today. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and by the way, go ahead. Another Dave. person, as you guys know, that I support, and I've been out on front on these, was Liz Cheney and Tudor Dixon, which is a rising star. Well, but they're both women. It doesn't mean that I abandon men, but. The women seem to be have something to say, and they say it well. Interesting uh, that you mentioned Tudor Dixon. Um, you know, I've been trying to get the GOP candidates for governor on the show, and I've had some. Kevin Rinke was scheduled today, and they moved it to next week, and so I extended the invitation to Tudor Dixon. And we went back and forth a few times, and we're still trying to come up with a date, but today was not it. And ironically, after the dust-up about uh, uh, Dana Nessel's comment about having uh, a transgender person in every school, um, I I replaced Tudor Dixon today with um, a young trans activist who has written a book for young readers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in fact, it was Gavin Grimm who was the uh, uh, trans uh, person that stood up when he was in high school, and his case ended up going before the uh, Supreme Court, and, and they ruled. Um, it, it was when that we got into that whole discussion about what bathrooms to use. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, this... this young guy was uh, at the center of all that. Gavin Grimm is his name. and He, oh. he and a, a librarian had written a book for children. Um, let's see. Where, where is the... Let's see. I'm going to have to get my notes because this was last hour. Um, yeah, it's called... Uh, the book is called... Um, if you're a kid like Gavin, the true story of a young trans activist. Hmm. <laughs> is, is he local or is it from Michigan? Or? Oh, no, no. He lives in Virginia. Oh. oh. Uh, wasn't there a discussion on Prego University about that same issue? The, the film, 
very similar to the discussion that well, we Well, there was a whole big national uh, uh, controversy about uh, how trans people should be dealt with in, in high school. And the uh, GOP debate last week, I think it was Tudor Dixon who... Um, led the charge against any kind of uh, uh, gender reassignment or gender identity or any of the things that have to do with LGBTQ issues um, being taught in schools. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's oh, a hot button issue for athletics as well, especially in athletics. So it was kind of ironic that I had Gavin Grimm on yeah. instead of Tudor yeah. Dixon. I'm, I'm just you know, still kind of uh, chuckling a little bit about the irony of that. And hmm. um, You know, I, I feel very 20th century about about this question because I, I, I find it very confusing, this whole realm. Um, like, part of me believes that our whole dichotomy about gender is so screwed up, and we think that you're either a man or a woman, and everybody kind of knows... Like in other cultures, it's it's recognized that it's not that clear cut and everything. But boy, I'm 20th century in it. I, you know, I, I just like when I, a former student of mine. Did I talk about this before? A former student of mine recently. Um, she's in the. He, she is becoming a he, and she recently posted on Facebook, or he did now, uh, that he had his breasts removed and. Um, I don't know if this is where you want to go in this conversation, but um, and he posted photos of how he looked after the surgery, and I I was upset by it, and uh, you know in a way this former student of mine is a brilliant student, a really wonderful writer, and everything. I'm like, well, that person is able to do what he wants to do to become who he wants to be. <clears throat> His body, and I, I do believe that, you know, we should have control over our own bodies. But remember, um, Paul and Henry, we, we touched on this last week a little bit. At at what age is it appropriate right, yeah, that's to teach right. about yeah, anything right. to do with sexuality? Yeah. And then I go back and I repeat what I said so that the audience out there will know where I stand on this. They should be exposed to um, sexual conversations uh, by the age that they begin to feel the sex they're right. Yeah. So that boys and girls within the same family don't go out and commit the unpardonable sin. And that happens all the time. Uh, Virginia was, there was a article. West Virginia, maybe Virginia, West, West Virginia was well noted for that practice. In the what do you mean by the un- unpardonable sin? I, I missed, I, you I don't know. Incest, uh, don't you? Incest. Yeah. Oh, incest. oh, oh. Well, <clears throat> I think oh. the other issue we talked about was, you know, at what age can you determine those things? I mean, like I say, if uh, I'm not sure a 7 or 8 or 10-year-old is in a position to decide Right. Yeah. And yet I've I've read recently about a uh a ten year old pregnancy. I yeah, know, that's right. I know. Yeah, yeah, Not that the pregnancy right. had gone on for ten years, but a ten year old person who was pregnant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yes. confusing stuff. I, I feel like you know, I simply it, 
know Jan, enough to know even how to talk about it. I, and thank you for saying that, Jan, because the whole time I was doing the interview, both of the people, the, the two co-authors were on the line. And, and if you want to listen to the interview, you can hear me fumble through it like the old codger that I am. I was really wrestling with how to even fairly ask questions and and yeah. allow people to perceive it the way they perceive it. And I was asking questions from a from a very different, um, clearly a different generation. Yeah, yeah. You know, in almost to our early earlier conversation about what's causing all the anger and everything, it's like we want people to be able to be happy. We want people to be able to be fulfilled, whatever that is. And how do you help people do that? Uh, you know, it just it gets really complicated, doesn't it? I, how do you like get people to let other people do that? Right. Well, that, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, when I was, I came from a big family. My mother uh, was really good about that. Uh, explaining why brothers and sisters should not interact with each other. And I guess I was about, I guess we were about 8 or 10, maybe 11. But that was, those became things that you don't watch out for. Your your mom explained it to you and was was good about it? Yes, uh, she was good. She didn't do the... She didn't specify all of the uh, parts of activities, but she suggested enough so that we could understand it. I'm not sure exactly how we how we went from um, the assassination in Japan. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> through through the January sixth um, hearings. And and into this this whole trans world. <laughs> They're all dangerous. We, that's that's why I love this show. That's, that's, well, that's, and, and that's me too. dangerous. Open conversation. You never quite know. Yeah, sure where it's going to go. Yeah, yeah uh, you can hit, get hit by from any direction by any show. Yeah, yeah. And, and and if even if you want to even take it on another twist, um, it, it's fascinating to me what's going on in the feminist movement about a lot of the trans stuff. Because some feminists are saying, hey, you're taking away the meaning of a woman. And mm. it suddenly is like diluting the political power of women because who's a woman? And trans, and all of a sudden trans rights are becoming the thing, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I've, yes. heard, yeah. I've heard some, in fact, I think there's a few people that have gotten in trouble and been accused of transphobia because... They've sort of questioned, I think... Um, well, women are just going to have to understand that when you finally, you know, get things going and get things right, everybody's going to want to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. It makes me remember an old friend of mine who's now dead, um, and I'm, I'm just throwing this in to, to complicate the situation. She was a sort of closeted lesbian, but she eventually in her life did come out and identify as a lesbian. And I remember her saying that she couldn't stand drag queens. She couldn't stand that whole thing because she thought it was an insult to women, to femininity. But they, she thought it was like they were making fun of female expression. You know kind of like saying? comic book characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I found that interesting because... 
she had the physical characteristics of sort of a conventional lesbian. I mean, you know, she didn't look feminine or anything like that, but for some reason it bugged her when somebody else, what she regarded was parodying uh, female expression. Um, And I, and I, you know, I've, I've been, I don't know what this has to do with our conversation, but it just goes to show that there's so many different ways to look at gender and gender expression. And I think we're pretty, we're still in a real confused, place about it in my view yeah well i certainly i certainly felt that way one one other thing i want to try and and squeeze in before i go on to the to the next quote and that's um you know i i mentioned i was trying to get tudor dixon on the show and i and i'm sure that i will before the primary and um i've reached out to garrett saldano and of course kevin rinky will be here next week but there are a bunch of local races and i've had several people approach me about why i hadn't done more with the local races and i'm not sure exactly why i think the experience i'm having with tudor dixon has something to do with it there's chasing, so many people too well and there are yes, a lot of people. So, people so i've decided to approach uh, the upcoming primary election in a very different way the focus is going to be on the changing districts and how those are impacting the campaigns of both incumbents and newcomers. And I'm going to pick out some interesting races and focus on them. Like, for example, coming up uh, Monday, coming up Monday uh, the 68th District State House seat, uh. the incumbent is, is David Martin, but the district has changed a little bit. David's going yeah. to be on the show. But also running in that race, which I find really interesting and something I wanted to draw attention to, um, Sherry Hardman from ABC 12 News yes, yes. is running in that race. And yeah. she's going to be on the show. And um, and then, <laughs> this is kind of a favorite of mine. They've been on the show once before. Um a man and wife are running in that race. Oh, yes. They, oh, yeah, I saw that. So they do that almost every election. <laughs> and, and from two different parties, and they're going to be on together yeah. on Monday. <laughs> so, oh, interesting. And, and that's all from the 68th District. So that yes. particular race was very interesting to me. And, of course, I've invited, uh, well, I haven't reached out to Eric Mays yet, but I have sent invitations to uh, Mayor Neely and former Mayor Weaver and Karen Weaver did respond and is, you know, we're trying to settle on the, the day and time and make sure that, that she's available for the, the time I'm shooting for. Um, but it's going to be interesting next week because I'll be looking at some Senate races and House races and, uh, and some congressional races as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That, so that's, even even the congressional race this this time could be more competitive than usual. I well, mean, Candace you know, Miller, exactly the same name, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> not the not the same Candace Miller we know, but yeah, the same the same name. Yeah. Anyway, it's um, it's 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 going to be interesting, and you know she's going to be. Well, she's been invited. I can't remember if she confirmed yet or not. Um, Monica Galloway. Yeah, is yes. running against uh, John Cherry Senate. for the state and Senate David Davenport of of school board fame a while back. Yes. Well, anyway, uh, another quote that got my attention 
this past week, and and one I may be using in the near future. Um, it, it goes like this, and I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But that's oh, the breaks. Prime Minister Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> it was Boris yeah. Johnson's turbulent tenure as Britain's yeah. Prime Minister came to an end Thursday after a historic party revolt over a series of ethics scandals forced him to step down. It took the resignation of nearly 60 members of his government, almost half the payroll, for Johnson to finally abandon his attempts to cling on to power. Even then, the prime minister insisted that he would continue as caretaker leader while the conservative party launches the process of choosing a successor. How is this likely to affect global affairs, like in Kiev, for example? Hmm. Yeah, I understand that Zelensky's a little nervous about the departure of Boris Johnson. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't know quite why. Do, do you guys know why? I mean, certainly Boris Johnson has been a strong supporter of he Ukraine. He has been, yeah. Well, look it's what's not quite clear who's taking over at this point. Look yeah, what's, that's, look what's yeah. happening in Germany after Angela Merkel True. stepped aside. Yeah. The economy yeah. is is suffering, and they're not being looked at as that that stalwart in the region. Yeah, uh, and I mean, many. Boris Johnson was one of the reasons why um, Brexit happened, and what a disaster. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you noticed that there uh, we in August, I believe, we'll have eight billion people in the world. And there's just too many ideas, and everybody, and we can't put them all together to make sense of a, of a strategy like to develop. And, and people want to move in their own directions, stuff like that. That's not possible. And the Greeks knew that, the Romans knew that, the American Indians knew that, the people in Africa knew that. But we, They know what? They knew what? They, what it, they knew that we have to, our ideas have to converge on one platform to make a strategy ah. to uh, ah. present ah, to yeah. the people. Yeah, because we can't, everybody can't have it their own way. And we're teaching people through the, and I think the Americans are responsible for this, the I. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, the yeah. I thing, uh, you know, yeah. and that's pervasive all over the world now. And everybody thinks that he or she uh, who has an idea is worthwhile to be run through the gauntlet. Uh, that's true, but uh, but when you when you don't get through, please sit down. Yeah. No, there there are times I'm I'm worried that we're kind of entering an era like we had back in the 1920s, where you had instability among many governments around the world, and that sort of set the stage for the events that followed in the 30s and the 40s. So I I am kind of worried about that. Again, the general instability you're seeing in so many parts of the world. Uh, and yes. the inability of governments to deliver the deliver the goods. Yeah, and not every idea is a good one. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. I mean, to go to Henry's point, to go, kind of um, build on Henry's point, I've been thinking a lot about that too, Henry. Like the 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 concept of individual rights has always been a tension in this country, and I mean, social media, where you know every idea gets like equal play uh, or you know, uh, it's like it's really hard to to kind of 
um, sort out the bad ideas and keep them from going viral, so to speak. Uh, and so, so much of that has to do with, I have a right to think anything I want and do anything I want because I'm an individual. It's that big I. I I'm, I'm interested in your point of view there, Henry. It's, it's well, a problem right now. And it, and it makes sense, you know. Nature has already settled a lot of these issues for us. For example, now this may be uh, kind of stupid, but a, a baby kitten giving birth to a young baby kit, uh, kitten will have only enough for a maximum teats for a maximum number of kittens. If they have more than that, they can't provide for them. And, and animals are like that. So you're saying that a cat will only have as many kittens as it ha- as it can as it has teats, so to speak. Yeah, there's, there's a limited number of breasts for the baby to feed them. Uh, and you know, nature has has thought out many of these things for us. And, and uh, even with the way we think, all ideas are not good ideas. And you said that. Yeah, and, not uh, every idea. Take a look at nature. Nature tells a lot of about right. how that. But some of those bad ideas can go viral much more easily now than it used to in the past. Again, yeah, social media especially. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, it's and so only the pe- people who have the lack of culture uh, follow those kind of pursuits because the people who think about this stuff uh, don't move in that direction. You start to think about the guys who attack the Capitol. Uh, they like, all kind of uh, excuses for attacking the Capitol. Uh, no, I've already mentioned it about three times, but that guy from Ohio, maybe it's because he was from my part of the country or something, where I grew up. I just thought, Mike, this kid, you know, he's very inarticulate. He just had a regular life, but then he started reading, he started following Trump on all the websites. He, he said, I followed, it on, I followed him on everything, you know. And clearly, there was no critical facility, no critical faculty to his thinking about what he was hearing. He just bought it all, hook, line, and sinker, and then it led him, as he said sort of inarticulately, he said, uh, when he was talking about he left the Capitol because, the reason he did that day was because Trump finally at 4.17 p.m. said, go home. And so he did. He said, I went there because Trump told me to. This was how the kid described it. Yeah. I went there because Trump told me to, and I went home because Trump told me to. And I'm like, kid, you know, what happened to your brain? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking, as you're saying that, Jen, I'm thinking about one somebody local here who kind of went the other direction. I think, Tom, you had him on the show because he was a candidate. He, he had kind of a background as a, a neo-Nazi around here. And then drifted away from that and became a, a candidate. I think he ran for county commission. Uh, uh, the last name was Larie, I believe. I, oh I yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I know. Who and I recall the interview you did, and he was fairly articulate on whatever the issues were at the time. Did he? I don't, I don't believe he won, but uh, kind of went the other direction. But, but he, he had a background of you know some neo-Nazi type activity and drifted away from that and became a, a far more conventional politician. Well, that's why uh. I joke about people who get their news from bumper stickers and Facebook memes. Um, that's, how this, that's how this young man from Ohio struck me. And I'm like, we have failed that kid. Yes. We have failed that yes. whole 
Well, yeah. I feel like, well, you know, we their educational system. We failed with health care. We failed take- with I've got to take a break. Hello there, we'll be citizens. right back. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage? Basketball or soccer? So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney Generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. 
This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash AG. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we continue with today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, featuring our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. Um, yeah, um, Jan, uh, I guess it was your turn to get cut off for the break. Okay. Usually it's Henry. Yes. <laughs> but I welcome Jan. Jan, are you still with us? Oh, you know what? I said I was going to... She has problems with her... Uh, oh, that's right, yeah. Phone sometimes uh, dropping the charge or something. Um, yeah, I'll try it. Let's see. Let me... Well, I'll, we'll go ahead and get started, and I'll try and call her back once we're, once we're rolling along here. Um... The group behind the successful 2018 ballot proposal that created no-excuse absentee uh, voting and same-day registration in Michigan filed signatures Monday to put a new constitutional amendment to voters this fall that would bring a wide range of changes to elections, including establishing early voting in the state. Uh, Kalila... Uh, Spencer, president of Promote the Vote, said that the group turned in nearly 670,000 voter signatures, significantly more than the roughly 425,000 required. Speaking at a news briefing Monday outside the Bureau of Elections office where organizers dropped off (coughs) petitions, Spencer billed the Promote the Vote 2022 amendment as a way to support absentee voting in Michigan. Voters embraced the voting method in 2020, which saw the first statewide elections in which every voter had a right to vote absentee conducted during the COVID-19 pandemic. The amendment would require state-funded 24-hour drop boxes in every municipality along with state funding for prepaid postage to return absentee ballot applications and ballot envelopes. The amendment would also give voters a right to have an absentee ballot sent to them ahead of every election by filling out an absentee ballot application to cover all future elections. What's the difference uh, between early voting and no excuse absentee voting? It seems like uh, 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 it's an idiot statement. Well, this would just enshrine it in the Constitution, is that, as I understand. Is that correct? I mean, I think right now it's just a matter of state law, of law and policy. Wouldn't this just simply place it in the Constitution? Is that correct? I... You there? Oh. Yeah, I'm here. Henry, oh, okay. I is Henry there? I, like I said, yes. I, Okay, I, I didn't hear anybody, uh, but I, I thought this was simply an attempt to add to add that to the Constitution. Again, I, I, I asked that as a question. I'm not totally sure about that. Um, so I, I think uh, it's a const- so. So it would take the same issue we've had for a while, the, the absentee yes. voting issue, 
and make and make it a little bit more permanent. Uh, and, yeah, there needs to be uh, more discussion by uh, uh, by those. So once it's resolved, we will all accept it and use it. And uh, you know what, what strikes me about actually both this petition and the the abortion one is they they went out of the way to get way more signatures than they than they needed in light yes. of what happened to the Republican candidates who yes. many of you know, five of whom fell by the wayside because they fell short. Um, the Republicans uh, have learned a lesson. Oh, I, you go out <laughs> yeah, and get more sure, than you need. <laughs> I'm sure those companies that were gathering signatures are not going to get hired again. <laughs> no. That's true. Well, uh, when I was running for the Board of Education, I always got more than I needed, maybe two or three sheets. Yeah, that's, that's very wise. You always want to have some kind of a cushion. But, uh, and, and I, I saw the with the uh, the abortion petition that they, the supporters of it initially, even before they, they, they submitted the signatures, uh, went ahead and, and eliminated some that they had some doubts about, so there'd be a few questions, well, but they still had almost 750,000 signatures, I believe. But again, is there a significant difference between early voting and no-excuse absentee voting? No excuse. Yeah, I don't... Absentee. Oh, that's for people without uh, identification, isn't it? No, you, you don't have to have ID. this ID. No excuse, you know. No, it used to be if you... Um, you, had to, you had to be over 60 or be gone or oh. something like Yeah, you had to yeah. be of a certain age and you're going to be on a cruise or you winter in Florida or something. And um, so you had to, uh, you know, if you wanted to vote absentee, you had to apply for and get... Oh, yeah. And now... Anybody can apply for and get an absentee ballot. I just, you know, mine's, mine's sitting here to go out in the mail as we speak. And, um, but I'm, I'm wondering, what does that have to do with early voting? And I found it kind of interesting that in this uh, uh, particular, uh, there's, there's a couple things that I wonder about this. They've got, they're probably going to come through with enough signatures to get on the ballot. And they have snuck in a couple of things that um, some of the, uh, I, I don't want to blame it all on Republicans, but it's been primarily Republicans who have raised the issue about voting integrity and, and uh, so on. And they've been attacking the, the voting drop boxes. And right. this one constitutionally mandates them in every voting district. It's now, a, would that be like one box? I guess well, let me see. Let me see if I can find the. Let me see if I can. Or every precinct, or. Let me let me see how the, how they have it worded. Um, the amendment would require state-funded 24-hour drop boxes in every municipality. Oh, okay. okay. Okay, so to make the make it accessible to people who want to vote. And stay and and a lot of people have been against those. And um it and it also another another thing that um people were complaining about was the uh, idea of uh state-funded postage for return right. envelopes yeah that's built into mm. this 
So I'm wondering if there's not much difference between early voting and no-excuse absentee voting if this isn't just a vehicle to carry in some constitutional prote- uh, protections for return postage and the uh, <clears throat> drop boxes. I th- yeah, I think you're right in the state funding, because I think that was an issue for some local jurisdictions who you know, very often didn't have the funds to certainly pay the postage or mail things out and even maybe operate some of the drop boxes in some very, very small jurisdictions. Uh, Here's what I believe about the whole proposition about voting. I believe that very few people cheat, but there are cheaters. But I believe that most of the people, by and large, do oh, not I, cheat. I think you're exactly uh, right, right, Henry. Uh, Some have shown that it's a, hundred, yeah, a thousandth of one percent of any, any kind. There's, you know, there's a little cheating here and there, but it's extraordinarily rare. Yeah, isn't most of that in Chicago, no. though, Paul? <laughs> That's my grandfather still voting. <laughs> <laughs> but why, why we want to go through and and just chicken pick uh, this voting process? And it does not result in more people voting per population, per incident. It, it, as a, as a matter of fact, we have a decline. Less than 60% of all uh, registered voters vote. Exactly. We don't care Paul, about it. And I, now I, we're putting so many more restrictions on it, people won't understand it, but just give up. Yeah, I've always argued, Henry, the the real winner of every election that we've ever had has always been the non-voters. There's always more non-voters than whoever won the election. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, I I, I just I, think I, that we're 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 putting too much uh, uh, control in the voting process, being picky, picky, picky. Oh. Americans, yeah, they should have an ID, so uh, we'll know who they are, and uh, and they are honest and meet all the requirements. But it should not be so picky that it discourages people from going to the vote and to distress right. the process. Go yeah, ahead, right. Jan. Um, I just wanted to say that I just wanted to have my voice here that that one ad that shows the zombies. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and the guy said, Oh, that was cute. Why is it that, why are the, uh, the dead voters always Democrat, or, or something about... <laughs> yeah. The, the why dead do dead always people Democrat always vote Democrat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that, I mean, that is so patently wrong. I mean, it's not true that it drives me crazy. And you know that there's some people that just love that ad probably. Yeah, like, I thought it was funny. But I, I, just, I don't I, believe yeah, it, but I thought it was handy, funny. But it's not true. I know. But oh, yeah, no, you, you, you have to have some hubris. You got a little bit of hubris. I think no, one if, of the if largest... You take a look at the, I will say, if you take a look at the cheating in the 2020 election, though the few cases there were, they were very bipartisan. I mean, they, there were as many Republicans yeah. who did it as Democrats for that yeah. handful who did. So that's yeah. because we come from the population of the human race. We well, all do the same. You know, thing. if you're in Chicago or Genesee <laughs> County, uh, you know, most dead people that vote probably are Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> in, in fact, uh, every in, time I see that, I'm like, oh my God, people are going to, lo- people love that commercial, and it's such a damn lie. It just well, he's, getting a, he's getting attention. Just thinking about it, it's, it's funny true. to me. 
Dan, the way you talk about it. Makes well, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll pick it up there in the second half of Armchair Politics. We have to break here for just a <laughs> moment or two for the uh, top of the hour ID. But um, but I, I, I want to get into this a little bit, and I also want to talk about what the legislature might do if these... Uh, uh, if this issue is um, headed for the ballot. We'll be right Hi, back. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.